We want to continue today looking uh, at a topic that I'm really, really passionate about. Not that I've not been passionate about the other things we've been talking about the last few weeks, but I really get excited about what we're going to talk about today. As we continue in this belief series, you know, the first five key beliefs that we've looked at so far, they have been vertical in nature. These first five topics that we've been dealing with over the last five weeks, they, they deal with, with our relationship with God. We talked about how the God of the Bible is the one true God. We talked about also that, that he's a personal God, that, that he is involved in our daily lives. He's not some God that's so distant and removed from his people. No, listen, you need to know something. God still cares about you. His most prized creation. We talked about how God made a way for us to have a relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. We just sang the words to a song that it was through the death on the cross, the victor has won. You see, Jesus, through his death on the cross, not only did he conquer death in the grave, but he made a way for you and I to have a relationship with God. Is anybody thankful for Jesus in this house? We also talked about how the Bible is our roadmap. And if you're dazed and confused and wondering what is truth or what God might have for your life, hey, listen, it's really simple. Read the Word of God. It's the bestseller of all time, and it will last forever. Amen? And so the Bible is filled with with things that help us in everyday life, and it is a story of how God loves us. And he made a way for us to have a relationship with him. Amen. And oh, by the way, he's going to return one day. And take those of us that know him home to be with him forever. And we talked about last week about this new identity that we have in Christ. Do you know that as as a Christian, you are son and daughter of the king. You are an heir to a throne. You belong to Christ. You are no longer a slave You have been set free. You're worth something. That's your identity. And I pray that many of you were awakened last week to that and you've been walking maybe even this week in a new freedom, in a new light, knowing that you belong to the one true king. Today we're kind of shift gears a little bit. We're going to shift to more of what we call some horizontal Beliefs. We're going to begin talking today about some beliefs that will deal with our relationship with others. Now, we believe that out of these relationships, it's going to help us engage the world with the gospel of Jesus. How will God accomplish his plan for humanity? Well, he's chosen, and we're going to begin looking at today, he's chosen two communities that he created to initiate his plan and to reveal himself. He's chosen the nation of Israel, and he's also chosen the church to accomplish making himself known and bringing people into relationship with him. I want to ask you a question this morning. What images come to mind when the word, when you read the word church? What images come to mind? We've, we've got them all listed for you up there. Maybe an angry preacher that is ranting about hellfire and damnation to an uptight congregation. How many of you can relate to that? When you think of church, that brings back those memories. You remember when preachers just preach so hard they get all sweaty? Blood vessels just coming out of their neck and head. and They might even get all fired and have to take a coat off, right? Because it's getting hot, right? 
And for some of us, we remember like, oh, shoot. They literally scared the hell out of us, didn't they? Right? For some of you, when you think of the word church, maybe it's a gathering of hypocrites. Right? Oh, those people. They say one thing and lift their hands to Jesus, but they're giving him the finger the rest of the week. And, you know, they're really not who they say they are. You know, maybe... I mean, you ever thought that? It's just a bunch of hypocrites. Maybe you, for when you hear the word church, it's a boring place to which parents dragged you as a kid. I used to tell people I had a drug problem growing up. My parents drugged me to church. And for some of you, maybe you can relate to that, right? We've tried to obliterate that. We want this to be a place that kids want to come to, right? And so that's why we've tried to create an exciting place like NT Kids. If you're a mom and dad, listen, you need to have great confidence. If you've got a child, birth through fifth grade, what they're doing right now is awesome. In fact, oftentimes it's more fun than what we're doing in here. Maybe for some of you, when we heard the word church, you think of a group of people who believe they're right and all those other churches are wrong, right? That, that, that we've got the market on Jesus for some reason here, you know, and, and, and that, that we're all going to be our team and everybody else will just good luck. You know, there are some churches that believe that. There, there, there are some churches that believe that they are the only one. Man, they are in for a rude awakening when we get to heaven, aren't they? I, I'm going to run up to some of them and say, I told you I would be here. You thought you were it. And I'm just going to sit next to them and just snuggle and worship for a thousand years. And I'll go to the next one. Just For some of you, when you read the word church, it's a place where fun goes to die. You know? Not supposed to laugh and have fun in church. It's boring. You're supposed to sit there. You stand when they tell you to stand. And you say what they tell you. And you raise your hands and you sit down. You turn around. You right foot in, right foot. I mean, whatever they tell you do. It's no fun. No fun. Well, I don't know what comes to mind when you hear the word church. But these are all some, some very real things. And I will agree with you, there's plenty of evidence to support each one of those things that we just looked at. Each one of those ideas. How many people have been burned and turned off on religion by a bad experience at church? Perhaps you've been there yourself. Have you ever looked at church and, and maybe had, had this thought that if that's what being a Christian is all about, I don't, I don't want anything to do with it. Anybody? <laughs> yeah, yeah. How will God accomplish his plan here on earth? I believe it's really simple. Through the church, the local church. I believe the church is God's primary way to accomplish his purposes on earth. When you look at scripture, you're going to find that God has always desired to be in perfect community with his people. In fact, throughout the Bible, from Abraham to the nation of Israel, and ultimately through Jesus, we see God's plan to call a people, to call a community of followers to himself. And then when you read in the book of Acts, when you begin to read about the birth of the church, you read about the explosion of the local church, it all begins to make perfect sense. That God had great dreams and hopes And still does for this thing called the local church. So what is the local church? What is it? Well, the local church is the authority on earth that Jesus instituted. Who who instituted it? 
Jesus did, to officially affirm and give shape to my Christian life and yours. Listen, God has established only three institutions, one of which is government. The second is marriage and family, which we celebrated here today. And the third institution that God created is the church. Now, in post-Christian America, all three of these are being either discarded or treated with suspicion. In modern America, church has become non-essential to many people. In, in, In America today, church has become secondary to many people, right? Yet, what we want you to begin to see in our study today, and as you dive in deeper this week through your life group studies. God firmly established the church. And he holds the church with high honor. He even declares that even hell itself will not overcome it. Are you with me today? So just as the Bible establishes the government of your nation as your highest authority on earth when it comes to your citizenship in that nation... The Bible also establishes the local church as your highest authority on earth when it comes to your discipleship to Jesus Christ and your citizenship in Christ's present and the promised nation. It's the highest authority on earth. The church. God views it highly. He sees it with honor. Now, if you think that church is about as far away from God as you can get, you're in pretty good company. In fact, Jesus himself had a lot to say about the churches and the organized religion of his day. You know that, right? Talking to a crowd of of holier-than-thou people uh, in in, in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus did not mince his words. Look what he says. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, For you are like whitewashed tombs. You're beautiful on the outside, but you're filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Whoa. Trash talking back in the day. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Listen, if your experience of the organized church matches Jesus' words, if you feel that there's not much life behind the neat, orderly exterior, you're on the right track. You see, Jesus teaches us in the Bible that a true church is not defined by the clothes we wear. A true church is not defined by the building in which we meet in or the airs that we put on. It's not even defined by the style of music that we use to sing and worship with. Rather, true church is nothing more, nothing less than the community of people who believe in the good news of Jesus Christ. What is the good news? It's really simple. There is a God, he loves you, and you can know him personally. You see, church, real meaningful church, takes place when we get together with other people. 
and put into practice the love and joy that we've received from God. Jesus described this sort of fellowship in the book of Matthew chapter 18. He said this, I also tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. Hey, listen, the Christian church is meant to be a community of believers. And we are most effective when we're surrounded by fellow believers that will correct and encourage us. Now, once again, we turn to the Bible to kind of get a picture of that sort of church. We, we, we begin to see that God wants us to be a part of, of this type of gathering. Hebrews 10, 25. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Make no mistake about it. <clears throat> it's a big deal to us when we gather together as a community of believers. It's not just to fill up your weekly schedule and give you something to do on Sunday morning, right? But it's important to Jesus. And he calls us to not neglect this gathering. (laughs) I like to use this illustration, and maybe you've seen this before on, on TV as well. I saw a special a while back on these things called flying sharks. Just just south, uh, off the coast of South Africa, there, there, there are these great white sharks. And Pastor Robert's been there. He's actually swam with these sharks. But, but uh, the, the, these great white sharks, they, they filmed them jumping up to 15 feet in the air to grab their prey. And what is their prey? Seals. The seals. Mille de jour. That's what they're after. This area around South Africa is known as the ring of death. And there are a whole lot of seals that that, that would agree. (laughs) No one knows exactly why these sharks get airborne there as they do. It's apparent that this is the only place in which they've seen them behave like this. But as you watch this footage, you will see sharks just leaping up out of the air, soaring to catch its prey. Now... These seals in this area have learned something, and I probably would too. I would probably gather my fellow seals and say, bro, we need to talk about this. Something terrible is happening to our familia, you know? What's happening? Now, the seals have, 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 have learned something about these jumping jaws. Get it? Dun-dun. Dun. The sharks seem to attack when the seals are... Uh, they, they, they seldom attack when the seals travel together. And so the seals have determined that, hey, we're going to stay in groups of about seven or eight. But what happens is when a seal decides to go off on its own, the lone seal, right? The lone seal. He's like, I got this. Look at me. I got this. That's when he becomes shark food. He is the one that is attacked. Now, there's a powerful lesson, I believe, for us to learn about these seals who live in this ring of death. It's this. If you want to avoid being your enemy's prey, stay with the pack. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says this. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. 
And, and I'm convinced that he operates, much, he operates much like those sharks. He looks for someone who's off on their own, and then he pounces on them. Hey, can I tell you something today? You're a lot less vulnerable as long as you're sticking close to your spiritual brothers and sisters. When you stay with your family, you're less vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. But the problem is that right now, maybe you're allowing yourself to be isolated. Maybe you're allowing yourself to be distant, even cut off from people who love you and people that you love. And guess what? The shark from hell loves that. You know, the first followers that we read about, the church, the first church in the book of Acts, we we read about them also living in a ring of death. In the city of Jerusalem. You see, after Jesus' death, resurrection, and return to heaven, these professors of Christ were threatened. They were being picked off, persecuted, and even put to death. But they knew that one of their greatest secrets of safety and strength was to stay together. Look what it says in the book of Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. And all the believers met what? Together in one place. And they shared everything they had. They worshiped what? Together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Okay, can you see the key word here? The key word is together, right? They stayed together. And it was very difficult as they were together for any predator to get to them. So I have a question for you this morning. Have you allowed some walls, some distance, or maybe some resistance to develop between you and maybe some people that you're close to? Maybe you've been wounded. Maybe there's been some sort of misunderstanding or poor communication. Maybe there's been careless words or maybe even a lot of frustration. Or or maybe you just didn't get your way. And so you pulled away from the pack. Maybe you're just hurting and and struggling and, 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 and you don't want to see people. You don't want people to see you like this. And so you just kind of remove yourself from everyone else. For whatever reason, if that's you, I think you're like one of those seals in the ring of death. You're you're away from the protection of of your brothers and sisters. And remember what God said way back in in the Garden of Eden, the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. God said, it is not good for man to be alone. Alone. Now, that's not just talking about that that man needed a wife or vice versa. No, God just said it's not good for man to be alone. And that's still true today. Some of you are allowing yourself to be alone way too long. And you know what? You're shark bait. You're out there by yourself. And while you're out there by yourself, Satan can begin to get you to believe all kinds of lies. He can get you to fall for all kinds of temptations and do all kinds of things that you thought, I would never do that. But he's getting it. You're doing it. 
So I want to encourage you with something today as we think about this thing that God instituted called the church. A community of believers that are put together to encourage us and to love on us. For whatever reason, maybe you've isolated yourself from that institution called the church. Here's my encouragement to you. Get back to your family. Get back to God's fellowship. Get back to church. Get back to those who you were serving the Lord with. Listen, you can't just afford to continue swimming out there all by yourself. The sharks of hell love it when you're alone. Don't give them the opportunity to strike. For some of you today, I realize that maybe you come today, it's been the first time in a long time you've been in an environment like this. Listen, I'm glad you're here. And I want to encourage you to make this gathering priority. Listen, make it priority not just for attendance, but for accountability. You need it. Because on your own, you won't survive. Some of you here, I realize, are, are, are just guests of ours today, and, and you're not a part of this house. Hey, we just want you to be united with a body of believers somewhere. Whether that be Christ Episcopal Church in San Antonio or 19th whatever. You need to be connected with the church. Are you with me? I want to ask you to do something with me today. If you've got a phone, I want you to pull it out. If you've got a phone, I want you to pull it out. Hey, you're here today. You're in church. Praise God. I'm glad you're here. It's good to see you. But here's the deal. You may know someone that should be here today that's not. Can you think of someone? Maybe they used to sit with you in this room. Maybe they used to serve with you in kids' ministry or in the parking lot. Maybe there's someone you just haven't seen in a while and, and you don't know where that. Here's what I want us to do. While Dave is playing the Snuggie music, I want us to use our phones right now and I want us to call that person. Call them. Right now, just pull up the contact. Just say, hey, listen, I want you to know I miss you. I'm sitting in worship right now, and I just miss you. I've not seen you in a while. Just wanted to check in. Just call them right now. Who is that? If they don't answer, just leave a message. Let's just call them right now.
Maybe you don't want to do it right now because you're looking at me like, you're stupid. It's all right. It's all right. Here's the deal. Pastor Robert, if we stop seeing some of these people, I want us to call them. Because I want people to know we care. And we drop the ball sometimes. I get that. But here's the deal. We want to go after people because on their own, it's hopeless. So maybe you didn't participate in this little exercise. That's okay. That's between you and the Lord when you get to heaven one day. You'll have to answer for that. But do this for me. Will you do it today at some point? Will you do it? Love it right there. Maybe you've got a long list of people. Maybe you want to call them and just say, hey, I love you and I miss you. I need your encouragement. I need your support. Maybe I'll pick you up next week. Hey, tell them you'll buy their breakfast at Refuel. Coffee's free. They don't have to know that. But just tell them you'll treat them to breakfast. 1910 Church. I'm going to read to you something that I wrote. By by the way, if you're being baptized this morning, I'm going to go ahead and dismiss you. We're, We're about to have baptism this morning after this service. And so if you're one of our baptismal candidates, I want you to go ahead and be dismissed. Pastor Robert, we have some, and go and find a restroom, guys, and, and, and change, and I'll meet you out in the baptismal here in just a little while. This is awesome. We're going to celebrate baptism today. Amen. This is amazing. Come on, church. Please. I want to close today by just reading something that I wrote about this church eight years ago. It was a challenge that I offered then, and I want to offer it again today. Hey, 1910, let people see a faith that's communal. Let's show love for one another in in such a way that it's an appealing community to people on the outside. People will more readily accept the gospel's message when they see it embodied in a community of Christians not just an alone individual. Hey, let's commit to being shaped into Jesus' image through relationships in our church. Let's participate regularly in worship. Let's join a small group. Let's express our love for each other through kind and encouraging words and actions. Hey, can we forgive each other when we make mistakes? And let's reconcile our relationships. Let's serve the world together. Invite your non-Christian friends to serve alongside of you so that they can see God's love up close in action. Evangelize through your personal relationships. Rather than just inviting people to events at our church, let's invite them fully into our lives. Have them come over to your home for meals. Pursue some common interest together. Talk about all aspects of your life so they'll see how God is at work through you each day, every moment, not just when you go to church. When your non-Christian friends do come to visit our church, let them see how deeply we are connected to one another because of how we participate in God's work together. Together. So Father, we thank you for the church. We thank you that it still holds a high view in your eyes. You created it. And Lord, I'm praying that the church would rise up. That 
Father, it would become a priority to us, a place where we can serve one another and love and encourage one another. And God, where we can be a part of your plan here on earth to rescue people. In Jesus' name, amen.